Good morning, Church on the Rock. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Church on the Rock. Hey, I'll take that. Who said? Who said it? Oh, I can't take it from Jeff. I can't. No, um, we do the Good Morning Church on the Rock to make sure you're here. But I mean, I know y'all here. I just I just heard y'all singing, so I know you're here. But I'm gonna do it one more time anyway, cause it. I don't know. I'm the good-looking one, so I guess I just want to hear it again. Hey, good morning, Church on the Rock. And so my, my voice, it was already bad, like, coming into today, and then that happened, and I don't have a lot of voice today. Um, but just for those who are guests or those who haven't been here for a while, we're walking through a series called, Is This What You Came For? And it's, it's really, we're just trying to break down what you think church is. We're trying to, like, redefine what you think church is. And so I'm actually happy that the slides aren't working this morning. We had them working earlier in the week, but we tend to think that like without the slides that God is not here. You know what I mean? And, and even with Ty reading and then having to run over here and all that, like the fact of the matter was that it, it wasn't necessarily about just singing the words. It was about what those words mean, right? And so um, sometimes like pastors get so caught up in the program, the program going the way it's supposed to go. They're like, oh, no, if we don't have slides, what are guests going to think? And if my worship leader is singing, if she's running across the stage reading words, and, it like, and, and they get so caught up in the program, and they, it's like they could care less about the presence of God, right? Like they care less about the presence of God. So today, um, it might be a two-parter. I don't know. I don't want to be up here too long. But um, we're going to be in Exodus. And once again, I don't want slides right now. We'll get back to that when we get back to that. But we're going to be in Exodus. And as you're making your way to Exodus 30, uh, let's, what am I going to do? Let's do 33. As I'm making my way to Exodus 33, I was thinking about doing 32, but we'll just do context for 32. 33 verses 12 through 16 is where we're going to land. Exodus 33 verses 12 through 16. And so um, there's been a lot of language that's being used, a lot of language being used. Oh, this will be fun. This will be fun. Everybody say, hi, Ryan and Lindsay. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be like. Like, we're excited to see our family get here. We're excited to see our family get here. Plus, I like picking on, I like picking on Ryan regardless. So Lindsay's just a byproduct of that. <laughs> so, no, check it out. Let me get your attention back up here. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's language, right? Like, July 5th was supposed to be the big opening of the state. Uh, according to the stages that we were supposed to be in, July 5th, we would have been in stage 5, and, and we were going to go back to doing things normally, right? But this last month, actually this last year, <laughs> what has normal been in terms of, in terms of church, right? Like, like oh, um, I said it. I was like, oh, Woodring, man, you know, July 5th, we'll get back to normal church. Ty said it. Genesis said it. Britt said it. Like, so all of us have been like, hey, are we back to normal church today? And I'll, as we've been walking through this, I'm like, what's normal? What is normal church? Is it, is it we got slides back up? And that was our intentions this week. But God was like, nope, that ain't going to happen, right? And is it, is it like, 
like, is it me preaching with points again? Uh, what's normal church? And, and so all of this is to get back to the Bible. It's to say, yes, there's nothing wrong with our traditions. There's nothing wrong with like our cultural standards until they become our God. Until we can't do a Sunday morning uh, gathering without those things. Now we've been to the park, we've been here, we've had slides, we haven't had slides, whatever it is. Normal church is, is believers gathering together intimately, naked and unashamed to be in the presence of God together. That, that's normal. And so whether we do that here, whether we do that at the park, whether you do it in your homes, and I think this is important. I know I'm, I'm going on a little tangent here, but I think it's important because there's a possibility we have a second wave coming that may shut things down again. And, and when we talked about this for the last three years, we still didn't respond that great when it happened the first time around. People were calling and saying, I feel like I'm not close to God anymore because we don't have our Sunday gatherings. I feel like I don't know what to do with my kids in terms of growing them in the Word. My marriage is failing. My th- like, there were all these things that were happening, and everybody blamed Sunday morning. And I was like, whoa, like, that was never the point of Sunday morning. In fact, Sunday morning, we were, we were literally just trying to equip you to go out um, and remain in the presence of God no matter where you are. So, I, I want to get your mind thinking through that because, like Jason said, in California, the government just banned worship in the church. The government banned. What, we are in new times, right? And, and just, so, just so you know here, um, if we cancel services or anything like that, it's never the government. Because we, anything the government has that we would use, like a 501c3, we don't use at Church on the Rock. So there's nothing... There's nothing they can take from us. So when we do it, we're literally thinking about your souls. We're not thinking about the government standards. I just want you to, I just want you to know that up front. So I'm going to read Exodus 33, 12 through 16. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. More, moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, Therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, this is God, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? That's where we're going to land. We're going to build some context to see how we got there. And we're going to, you know, just, just talk about the presence of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick over the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again this morning. Uh, where other gatherings are being persecuted, Father, um, restrained, restricted. Uh, right now, we are, we are gathering freely in your presence. Father, may we not take this for granted. May, may this not be just a routine and a ritual, but may this be a relationship that we treasure. Um, we have no right to be in your presence. We have no right to be called your children. 
And so as we proceed, Father, with the message today, just, just make sure they hear you, Father, and none of me. Remove me. May they see the way that the, the context of these verses and the verses themselves point us to needing to have a, a deeper passion to be in the presence of the Lord. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so, uh, kind of like last week, I'm enjoying the freedom to just, to just talk about the Word of God and not be so put together, not be so um, professional in the approach, and just, just letting you read with me and me unpack it as we're reading together. Uh, this way, possibly, you'll see, like, as I'm unpacking it, you'll see what I see that kind of stands out. So, I'm, I'm going to go back to, ver- uh, to chapter 32. I'm going to go back to chapter 32 so we can build some context. The reason the context is important because you won't feel the, the depth of what Moses is saying without knowing how we got there. So, like, whenever you're reading, please read the context. In fact, here's some homework for you. If you read five chapters a day, starting today, ending next Sunday, you can read the book of Exodus in, in, in eight days. Five chapters a day. I challenge you to read five chapters a day. It'd take 30 minutes of your day, maybe an hour of your day. Just read it uh, and get through the entire book so you can see how important this section of Scripture is right here. But um, the, the Israelites have been brought, they were in slavery to Egypt. Many of you are familiar with this, but God's chosen people were in slavery to Egypt, and God delivered them using Moses as a leader, brought them through the Red Sea, got them out of Egypt, and now they're on their way to what's called the promised land, right? And they come to Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, they, they stand at like the boundary of the mountain, and in like verse, I think chapter 20, they hear God's voice. Uh, audibly speak to them the Ten Commandments. Like, it's not just Moses. It's all of the Israelites. And so, like, imagine thunderclaps and lightning, and it's like, thou shall not, you know. What's the first one? Oh, you guys are, okay, somebody, come on, man. And then the second one is, thou shall not have any graven images before me? All right, I got some work to do. I get it. Okay. So anyway, so, so, so anyway um, they hear the Ten Commandments, and, and where, where a lot of us today say, we say, oh, man, if I was just in the presence of God, I would embrace him. But like thunderclaps, lightning, like fight, like I don't know if I'm like, like the Israelites, they were like, ah, uh, we'd rather hear the commandments from Moses. They, they literally backed away and were like, we would rather hear these commandments from Moses because they, 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 ah, it's kind of scary. Like, could you imagine right now if, I get scared of tornadoes, right? Like, I'm like, oh, it's a tornado coming. Like, could you imagine, like, thunderclaps, lightning, and everything, and then the voice of God telling you these commandments. So Moses moved closer, but the Israelites moved further away. Well, Moses ends up going up. I'm just giving summary here. Moses ends up going up to the mountaintop, Mount Sinai to start having a conversation with God regarding the rest of the law and the things that he wants them to carry out to make them holy, to make them set apart people. I'm just giving you the cliff notes. You got to go read this for yourself, right? And while he's up there, he, he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So the people, they get kind of uh, impatient. 
waiting on Moses. They get impatient waiting on God. And, and that's where we open up in chapter 32. And I think it's important because if another wave does come, if we do have to uh, stop gathering here for safety purposes and we're back at the park or, or we're staying home or whatever that is, I saw just this last time around that people got impatient with God. People start making their own ideal of, of what to look to for comfort. They're, alcoholics started during COVID-19. COVID Drug abuse started during COVID-19. Um, uh, infidelity started. There's a lot of things that started while people were waiting on God to move because they, they got impatient. And in, and in chapter 32, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. So imagine if I went on vacation. Right? Imagine if I went on vacation for 40 days. And I told y'all, you know, I'll be back in two weeks, but I end up going for 40 days. Imagine going to Jason. I'm going to call him out now because he's talking to somebody. But imagine going over to Jason and being like, Jason, where's Rashad? Look, you see, right? Where's Rashad at, bro? Like, like where, where's the one that normally teaches on a Sunday? Jason, like, you're, you're, you're the other leader. Like, we need you to do something. Do something. That's what they did. They came to him and they kind of confronted Aaron and said, we need you to do something. And, and, and he says, hey, hey, come make us a God, Jason, who will go before us. As for this Moses, this Rashad cat, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. He ain't around no more. So they got impatient. And we see this in the church all the time. You didn't pick up my phone call. You didn't return my voicemail. You, 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 you didn't do what I have as an expectation of you as a leader. Because I'm looking at you to be God, not God to be God. And so since you aren't omniscient, since you aren't omnipresent, since you aren't God, I'm just, I'm turning my back on you. And we either go to another leader and do the same thing, or we go down the street to another church, or we go wherever we go. What is that? Is your, is your Bible talking? <laughs> and the word spoke, right? <laughs> And so, and so, once again, we're building the context. Aaron gives in. He's like, okay, give me earrings of you and your children and all that, and we're going to make, we're going to make our access to God, and they build this golden calf, right? They build a golden calf, and, and, and they literally look and go, behold, you're God. And I'm, I was, like, as I was reading it this week, I was like, Really? Like, we made a golden calf and said, behold, you're God, right? And we kind of laugh and we chuckle, but that's what we're doing with this building. Like, like, like we, we build the building and we put the, you know, we put the lights up and we put the, we put the projector up and we got all this technology and we're like, behold, you're God. I mean, if you don't do it that way... You know, th this, is, this is how we have access to God. That's what they were doing. They didn't, they didn't stop believing in God. A lot of people think they stopped believing in God and start believing in the calf. No, no. They believed the calf was access to God. They built an idol to gain access to God through the calf. And we know that because if you read, if you read this, it says um, on verse 5, Chapter 32, verse 5, it says, Now when Aaron saw this, after he built everything, he built an altar before it. Okay, why would you build an altar before it, right? And then it says, And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to what? Not, not to the calf, to the Lord. 
You see that? Tomorrow we're going to have a feast to the Lord. Build an altar before this golden calf, and tomorrow we're even going to have a feast to the Lord. They, they thought access to God would come through this thing they built, and I'm telling you, on Sunday mornings, this is what we're doing. We have built something thinking that our access to God happens here. Like, like, let me give you an example. There are people, my mama was one of them, there are people who believe you cannot be saved without being here on a Sunday morning and even coming down for an altar call. This is the only way it happens. It has to happen right here. It can't happen in your seat. It can't happen in your house. It can't happen at the park. It has to be right here. Or to be in the presence of God, I have to be here on a Sunday morning. This is how I get back to Jesus. People are like, ah, I'm having such a rough time. Oh, I just wait till Sunday morning. Sunday morning, things will get better. Why, why wait till Sunday morning? Because you've created a golden calf. And so when things don't go right, when things go wrong, when things break down, pastors get upset, members get upset, everybody's upset, nobody's worshiping God because they're worshiping the things that don't work anymore. Lord forbid the toilets stop working. For those of you who are guests, we really deal with that like every time it rains. I'm just, before you join, you need to know that, okay? <laughs> so, so it goes on and says in verse 7, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people whom you've brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who you brought up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are obstinate people. And then the Lord said, Now then, let me alone that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make you a great nation. And so right there we see mercy like never before. You see, it sounds like God is saying, hey, Moses, leave me alone so that I can take these people out. But if God just wanted to take the people out, he doesn't have to consult Moses, right? He doesn't have to talk to Moses. It's kind of like, like in, um, in, in, in the story of Adam and, and Eve, right? God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. He says, I will make him a helpmate, right? He already has a solution. He already knows what to do for what's not good for Adam. But the next thing he does, everybody thinks he immediately put Adam to sleep. No, he, he didn't. He made Adam name all the animals in the kingdom. Like why, would, like, why would he go to that step? Why not just, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam, go to sleep. I'm going to do surgery. I'm going to make you a beautiful wife. Everything's taken care of. But what happens is he, he has Adam name all the animals in the kingdom, like you know, monkeys and gorillas and giraffes. And at the end of naming all the animals in the kingdom, Adam basically looks at the giraffe and goes, this is a beautiful, all this is beautiful, all this creation is amazing, but I can't get jiggy with the giraffe. <laughs> right? Like, uh, that, there's none, I mean, it, it, just, that's the Bible, because he says, there's none suitable for me. Right? There's... All this amazing, but there's nothing for me. There's none suitable for me. So in that moment, Adam now recognizes that he's alone. See, when, when God recognized it, 
Adam had no clue. I, he didn't know he was alone. So he had to take him through something to realize that he was alone. And at the end of naming all the animals, now Adam sees his problem. Oh, it's, it's not good for me to be alone. There's none suitable for me. What am I going to do with that giraffe, right? And so then he causes him to sleep. Then he brings him Eve. And Adam wakes up and does the first R&B song we ever heard, Bone of My Bone. Flesh of my flesh, I'm going to call you, whoa, man. <laughs> right? Right? Like, 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 but, but like, what, what you see is like, like, people would read that the wrong way and think like, God, like, because Adam said it's not good for me to be alone, or excuse me, because Adam said there's none, there's none suitable for me, that he prompted God to do something, and, and therefore God grew in knowledge. Because, like, if you didn't know the behind-the-scenes part of God saw it long before Adam saw it, you would think that God grew in understanding or grew in knowledge, but God was ahead of it, right? And so right here, when God, when God goes to Moses and tells Moses what he's about to do, that, that's the very key thing that you're going to see throughout Scripture. He's, like, he told Abraham what he was about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now he's telling Moses what he's about to do to the people. Why? Because it, it pushes Moses into what we call intercessory prayer. See, so then when you see things like, and God changed his mind, he didn't truly change his mind. He pushed Moses into a position to do what it takes for God not to carry out what he said he was going to do. But you got to know what's happening behind the scenes of that. Like, I'm, I, I, don't have to t- I don't have to tell you that I'm going to take him outside and kick his butt. I don't know. Like, I can't. He probably, he probably could whoop me. But, like, if I tell you, if I tell you, I'm telling you so that you could do something to stop me from doing it. Like, I don't have to tell you that. I could just take him outside, right? Right? I, I make you come with me because, yeah. But, but if, I, if, I, if I'm telling you, I'm telling you just so that you can talk to me because I just want you, to, I want you to ask me to not do it. I want, you to, I want to grow you in what it looks like to put him before yourself. And that's what, that's what God did. He told Moses so that Moses could grow in this thing called intercessory prayer. So Moses is like, he responds and he's like, says, then Moses entreated the Lord his God, and said, oh, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought up out the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your, your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. He's basically reminding God of who he is. Like, have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever, like, literally fell on your face before God and been like, look, man, Lord, you, you said that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You said you will take all things and use them for the good of your people. You said that no weapon formed against me shall... Pro-. Like, like... Have you ever just prayed the Bible? Have you ever just thought, like, you'd have to know the Bible to pray the Bible, so you need to read the Bible. But have you ever just thought through the promises of God and just remind, like, God, this is what you said. Like, I don't don't ask God much outside of what I already know he's told me. I'm I'm that kind of guy, right? Like, I'm I'm just going to remind you, man, you said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Like, I need you to show up. 
Father, Father, you said that if I draw near to you, you're going to draw near to me. Father, you said if I seek you, you will reveal yourself to me. That's what Moses is doing, right? He's just, he's reminding, he's like, yo, you brought us up out of Egypt. That was you. And, and he looks and says, why, why would you let the Egyptians think for one moment that you brought us up out of here just to kill us? In other words, he, he's appealing to God's glory. Like, like you're going to look bad, God, to them if you do what you say you're doing. Like, the, the Egyptians are going to be like, yeah, they, yeah, he split the Red Sea and then he killed them. You know, like, ooh, some God. No, 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 God, you, you want maximum glory. Like, 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 yes, God loves you, but, but God loves his glory even more. There's like, a, if there's a 1A and a 1B, glory is 1A. God will not sacrifice his glory for anything. Read the Bible. He won't sacrifice it for anything. And so, and so we go on, and I'm, I'm just trying to get the context here. We go on, and, and Moses comes down, and when he comes down, like, he's a, uh, He's upset. I mean, I would be upset if I was on vacation and I came back and, yeah, yeah, we ain't going to go there. Okay. So, <laughs> and so he, he comes down and, and he's upset. He, he, you know, he burns up the golden calf. He calls Aaron out like, what have you let these people do? Aaron, Aaron does the blame game. He's like, man, y'all, you know how these people are. Like, you a pastor too, man. You know these people is crazy. Like, there's nothing I can do. He tries to blame the people. Then he even tries to blame Moses. Like, basically, if you didn't take so long, to get back down the mountain, to come out the presence of God, then, you know, maybe none of this would happen. Like, there's all this blaming that's going on, but this is what happens. So Moses returns to the Lord and said, alas, the people has committed a great sin, and they, they have made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, he says, blot me out from your book which you have written. That is a leader right there. He says, he says if you won't forgive them, then how about this? Like, trade me for them. I'd rather, whoo, I'd rather lose my name being written in the book of heaven for them. Like, like if, you, if, if you think you're ready to, to lead in, in, in God's kingdom, if you think you're ready to serve in God's kingdom, this is what it looks like. I, I care about you so much. Paul said the same thing in the New Testament. I, I would rather I go to hell for you to be in heaven. That's a heavy statement. Blot my name out the book of life if it, if it would allow them to go. And, then, and then, so he, he keeps going. He says, but now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book, which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. How many people sinned this week? All right, we get into some, we, we about to get into some good stuff now. This is, God doesn't change, right? Uh, um, the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. That's me. You, now, you, now you can see where Jesus is in this, right? Like you can see where Jesus is in this. He goes, he goes, he goes, he says, but go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Smote being a plague. Now, chapter 33, we're, we're coming up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and your people 
whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the, Pe- the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, the Termite. No, no that's not there. All right. <laughs> go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst, for I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. So I want to point out some things right here, and then this will take us into the text we're in. So in, in, in verse 1 right there of chapter 33, he reminds them of the promise. He reminds Moses that even though you've done this sin, you still have the promise. Go to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. That's the promise. They still had the promise, okay? Look at this, verse 2. I will send an angel before you, and he will drive out all the ites. We're just going to say all the ites, right? That's, that's the protection. So they still had the promise. They still had the protection. And look at this, verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up. No, stop right there. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. They still had the prosperity. He, he literally says to, to, to Moses right there, you still have the promised land. You still have it. Even in the city, you, you reminded me of all of, you still have the promised land. All right? He, he, says, he also says, you still have the protection. I have an angel who I'm going to send before you who's going to knock out anything that's coming up against you. You still have the protection. And then he says, you still have the prosperity. You, this land that you're going to, it is flowing with milk and honey. But then listen to what he says. He says, for I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. In other words, to be among you as sinners, the, the wage for sin is death. The wage for sin is death, so I can't be among you. Look how they responded to that. So, so look, we still have the promise. We, we still have the protection. We still have the prosperity. But when the people heard those three verses, they went into mourning. Why did they go into mourning? Because they didn't have his presence. Think about that. Think, think about that for a moment. They still had the promise. There's a promised land waiting on us. They still had the protection. Ain't nobody going to overcome us. They still had the prosperity. It'll be flowing with milk and honey. But they mourned when they heard that he said, I'm not going with you. Now think about this. Like, like well, hold on, Rashad. I thought God is omnipresent. Well, this is what it looks like. There, there's a song uh, my mama used to play when I was younger called, Your Body's Here With Me, But Your Mind's On The Other Side Of Town. Not, nah, no. That was last week. We ain't doing that no more. <laughs> like, like th- think about this. Your body, you, you, you guys familiar? You're probably familiar with the song. I got to think context here, white people. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're here. You're here, right? But some of you aren't here. You're here. You're present. But you're passive. You're here, but you're thinking about, okay, when is this over so I can get back to my 4th of July food, right? What God is saying is, I'm not going to be personal with this. I'm I'm not going to be involved with this. What did you come here for? Like, what did you come here for? Are, Are you here for the promise? 
Are you here for protection? Are you here for prosperity? Because there's churches that I tell you all about prosperity, right? Nab it, blab it, claim it in Jesus' name and just get what you want and it's all about you, your best life right here on earth. And there's churches that will teach it's all about just going to heaven. Like that's it. Just, just as long as you know you're going to heaven, that the promise of heaven, that's, that's it. And then there's people, there's churches that will teach you just about the protection of God and how you're going to be comfortable and you're not going to have any persecution, no nothing, because you're one of God. I'm here for the presence. Because, because if you give me the promised land without the presence of God, it's just dirt. Think about it. At the burning bush, earlier in Exodus, if you do take my challenge, you'll get to chapter 3, like verse 5 area. When, when, when the burning bush, it's, 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 it's on fire with the presence of God, but it's not being burnt up. And, and, and it speaks out to Moses and says, take off your shoes. Why? Because this is holy ground. Why was that ground holy? It was dirt. What made it holy? His presence. His presence is what made it holy. And so can you see how the people would mourn now? Man, we still got the promise of the promised land. We got protection from an angel. We, we got prosperity. But, but what you mean you're not going with us? What do you? No. How, you, if, if you don't go with us, that's what it's all about. And see, ugh, in church, in, in, in this cultural thing that we do, we don't even care about his presence. We really don't care. We don't even know. We, we don't even know. We, we just assume that if we come to this building, he's here. We just assume that if, if, if we do these good things that aren't even good things half the time that he's here, we're not really even focused on his presence. We don't treasure his presence. We don't live in his presence. We just want to make sure we're going to heaven, make sure we're not persecuted in life, and make sure we get all the comforts of this world. And that's what we say is why we're blessed. We even look at others. Well, so-and-so is highly favored. Why? Because they have all these things of the world. They're comfortable. and they're... We, don't, we don't care about the presence and so as, I, as I'm looking at this, as it builds up, we get to where we're at. And it's not going to take me long, I promise you. I promise you. That was all context. Here we go. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. I said it might be two parts. My goodness. Come on, y'all. So then it says, then Moses said to the Lord. This is verse 12, chapter 33. See, you say to me, bring up this people. So there's the context. Like, we know why he said bring up this people. We've gotten to the context. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now, some of us confused. We're like, well, he just said I'm going to send an angel before you. No, no, no. I'm cool with you sending the angel before me, but who's going with me? There's a difference be between who's going before me and who's going with me. He looks and says, I... He says, you haven't told me who's going with me. Moreover, you said, 
I have known you by name. You said you know me by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. This is what he wanted. You can keep your promised land. Keep your protection. Keep the prosperity. I want you. I don't want all that other stuff. I just want you. God, I just want you. And then look what he says, what he says right there. This, this is so vital. Now, there, verse 13, now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. Some of us in this, in this, in this American context of church, this, this is how we think we know God. I feel something. I, I, I just feel like God wants me, and then you say something that has nothing to do with the Bible. Look, this is what we do. Like, like um, there's a, uh, so I DJed, so I got some, everything's going to be like music. Um, there's a rapper, context. There's a rapper named T.I. He has a song. He says, you may have seen me on the streets, but homie, you don't know me. Like, that's so vital. Why? Because a lot of us think knowing him is because we showed up today. A lot of us think knowing him is because we got goosebumps. God don't care about your goosebumps. We're like, oh, I just, I just feel like. And then you'll say something, and then we'll go back. You'll come to me with what you, what you feel like God wants you to do, and I'll be like, well, the Bible don't say that. Yeah, but I just know God. No, you don't. Moses says, he says, I pray you, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. This is intimate. And intimacy is not physical. It's more informational than anything. Think about this. Think about this. Like, all right, when I'm teaching any kind of uh, marriage discipleship or whatever, I say the most intimate way that you can be with your, your spouse is prayer to where you pray to God and you let them hear everything in that prayer because then you, you're knowing stuff that only God would know unless you, unless you allowed them in the throne room. That's intimacy. Oh, Father, uh, I confess that when I was looking at that woman at the gym the other day that that was wrong and I need you to forget. You're going to let your wife hear that? You're going to let your wife hear That's intimacy because only God... Only God knows that, and I'm allowing you in to what God only should have access to. That's much deeper than physical intimacy. And so, so like, even when, even when you think about, like, the word itself, it's used earlier in the Bible when it says that Adam knew his wife. It's used in that way. So he says, I, I want to know your ways so I know you. I, we have a Bible that you can read freely whenever you want so that you can have intimacy with him. You come here on Sunday mornings, you're getting this information. What are you, are you getting it to just check it off your list as I did my routine thing, my ritual thing? Or are you growing closer to knowing him? This is where it happens. And so he says, he says, so that I may find favor in your sight, consider too that this nation is your people 
And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we and I, your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? And so, like, once again, I just wanted to read to you and open up God's word. Let's end it with this, and if the worship team could start, because actually Todd picked this sermon, believe it or not. Todd told me what song, she, the three songs she was doing, and when she landed on here in the presence, I prayed, like, Father, why did you place that on her heart? Like, what, what about, is this what you came for, it has to do with the presence of God, and then it just opened up, like, oh, like, did you come for the presence of God? And so they're going to sing this song called Here in the Presence. If you want to go ahead and start typing the lyrics in. But, but it, hit me, it hit me extremely deeply as I was thinking about this context of this story. Mercy is, the, the words say mercy is falling. Mercy is falling. Like here in the presence of the Lord. Think about this. The reason God said I can't be among you is because I would have to destroy you. I would have to destroy you based on your sin. The wage of sin is death. I would have to destroy you based on the way you live. So we know, Emmanuel, that, that, that God is with us. Like, right, God is here right now. But everybody in this room raised their hand when I said, who has sinned? Do, do you understand now how the words mercy is falling? You, you're alive. Everybody take a breath. Everybody exhale. Take one more. Inhale. Hold it. Okay, exhale. <laughs> if you're able to do that, mercy has fallen on you. Mercy's fallen on you. Because God is actually here amongst sinners. And he hasn't destroyed you. That's what he told. Y'all read it yourselves. That's what he told the people, like, I can't be among you because I'd have to destroy you because you're sinners. But we're here, and we're not destroyed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So going forward, Moses says, if, wherever you send us, if you're not going with us, then don't send us. See how he embraces that mercy? Like, like, you told me if you were, if you were with me, then I, like, we would have to die. We'd be destroyed. But I know about your mercy. And as a believer, I know what Jesus did on that cross. And so when you sing this song, when you think about this song, and, and the words are looking at every reason that you should not be alive right now. And I want you to embrace that and realize that it's okay to be in his presence. A lot of us run because of sin. A lot of us run because of our past. I'm too broken to be in his presence. What I did last night, I shouldn't be at church this morning. Like, that's how we live, right? But that's so American and non-Bible. Instead, because of what I know about God, I run to him. 
I run to his presence, knowing that mercy is falling and knowing that it's in that moment that his son died for me while I was a sinner, while I was an enemy. I just want more of them. And y- y'all can start to, like, play some keys real quick, bro. <laughs> and, so, and so, like, um, stand up real quick. Stand up. I'm hoping you're starting to embrace this, this new way which is actually an old way of church. No programs, no, no heavy structure to take away from his presence. Just letting the word of God be among us, just letting his spirit be present. And I'm hoping in this moment you can do that right now. You can think through, through how much you should be destroyed this morning for all the decisions you made, even probably last night. You should be destroyed this morning for decisions you made this morning. And you're breathing in his presence. I don't care about the promised land. I don't care about the prosperity. I don't care about the protection if his presence is not with me. And so I hope you can say the same when you walk in to the building or to the park or whatever we do. Like, I don't care about the projector. I don't care what note we sing in. I don't care what, like, I just want to make sure he's here before I care about anything else. And that's a different way to walk in those doors. To walk in those doors and say, the only thing I'm worried about first and foremost before I worry about anything else is, is his presence here with me? And if that's the prayer you're praying when you walk in this door and we all walk in that same way, we will shake this community like never before. We will shake this community like never before, because it'll be God who's shaking it through us. Amen? Amen. All right.
This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.